The Koi Gig Pod. I think all the concerns that we have obviously being that middle tier are very valid considering just how much we benefited from playing teams of a higher calibre going into our qualifiers. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. I'm prepared to anything I Again. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <gasps> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Now you're welcome along. We are six days out from a World Cup. And of course, we're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and Manchester United. Pat Nevin, good evening. Good evening. Uh, is anyone not talking about Cristiano Ronaldo just now? Yeah. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. This <laughs> just comes up now, isn't it? Yeah, kind of surprising that it's made such a splash in some respects because he already feels like a very marginalised figure and nothing he has said shocks anyone. But I guess the act of him saying it is plenty. Yeah, I suppose um, there is a little break before the World Cup. So these six days, there's a build-up to it. Um, we've had the last games in the Premier League, so there's a little gap there. So maximum publicity. Um, and then is it Piers Morgan he's been talking to, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's how you get maximum publicity. So it's not one of those ones where you're thinking, I'll just say a few little quiet things. You drop the massive big bomb in there, knowing that uh, come January, you will hope for and get the move you're, you're trying to manipulate. And that's clearly what you try to do, you try to manipulate that move. At the risk of repetition for anyone who wasn't with us earlier in the show, Manchester United have released a statement. They have noted the media fallout around Cristiano Ronaldo's interview with Piers Morgan. In less formal briefings, the club has expressed, quote, extreme disappointment with the timing and the manner of the interview, end quote. In their official statement on the record, they're saying that the club will uh, consider their response after the full facts have been established. And that's because we don't really have the full facts. We have these clipped promotional cells to the full interview, the most explosive parts, presumably. So there's going to be a 90 minute interview if you can stomach it Pat not released yet everyone still mm. working off those snippets it's all manna from heaven for publicity shy Piers Morgan uh, Sky Sports News reporting that the Manchester United dressing room only found out about the interview after the Fulham game some of what Ronaldo has been saying he talks about the club's lack of empathy for him when his daughter fell ill over the summer which was the main reason he missed the pre-season tour uh, he talked about betrayal he said, but not only the coach. So Eric Ten Hag has certainly betrayed him, he says, but not only the coach, another two or three guys around the club, I felt betrayed. On Ten Hag, he says, I don't have respect for him because he doesn't show me respect for me. If you don't have respect for me, I'm never going to have respect for you. And then he's talked about just the general stagnation at the club. Nothing changed, he said, surprisingly. Not only the pool the jacuzzi, even the gym, even the kitchen, the chefs, whom I appreciate, lovely people, uh, all still there. They stopped in time. It surprised me a lot. I thought we would see other things, technologies, infrastructure. Unfortunately, we see a lot of what I was used to at the age of 21, 22, 23. It really surprised me. Since Alex Ferguson left, I haven't seen an evolution at the club. Progress is zero. And then interestingly, one of the less reported lines, he did have the self-awareness at least to say, you have to tear it down and rebuild it. If they start with me, not a problem, is uh, what he said. Not a problem. And uh, he did um, 
give a quick drive-by on Ralph Rangnick. Who knows why? I mean, we're, we're picking our battles here. He decided to go back and just let everyone know, I'd never heard of this guy, not a manager, what were they thinking uh, type scenario on Ralph Rangnick. Um, I'm curious for your thoughts on his core point of betrayal. What do you read into that? Um, well, first of all, I go back to the fact that anyone who says that throws out the respect line, I don't care. You're, you're there to play a game of football. It's not about respect in you and what you've done. It's go out and play a game of football and do well if you possibly can. I think uh, they get a little bit too involved with themselves footballers when they do that. And uh, I just I don't I don't bother with them. I almost said I don't have respect for them now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's just it's a line that drives me nuts. The other some of the other stuffs intriguing. And by the way, it sounds as if it's going to be an interview that I would be very keen to hear. Mm. Really keen to hear. Because um, is it just um, you know just mowing down everyone, just turning around having a go at anyone who's annoyed them? Um, it may well be that. It sounds a little bit like that, but we are getting the edited highlights here, so it may be more considered. And uh, certainly, a few United fans, we they will make the point. There is a lot of stagnation of that club, so within it, there will be some stuff that people will nod and agree with. But it just seems that. The whole Ronaldo thing, it's just always been about Ronaldo. It just consistently is about Ronaldo. Now, in the end, in, in his position, it is about Ronaldo. And it is about he'll get out now and he'll he'll get his next move and good luck to the next manager that has to do anything mm. that annoys him slightly because that will be hell for the next, well, manager, forget manager, club, organisation, anyone, because he'll just turn on them. Um, and that's, that's not really what a team player should be doing all the time. On the other hand, there's some sense in there. And as I say, I'm really, really keen to see it. Um, don't see the, the reasoning in some of it, other than, you know, does he, is it because he is suggesting he loves Man United? He loves it so much that he has to throw that wee grenade in there before he goes? Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not absolutely convinced about it, but I'll hold off complete judgment until I hear the entire thing. But it isn't helpful for the club, I don't think, um, short term. Mm. But it may be, you never know, long term. It may help. It may, everyone may turn around and say, we need to be a bigger, more modern club. Yeah. So you never know. Um, and because I, I want players who play in a football team to be team players as well as showing that um, brilliant, brilliant individualism as well, uh, it doesn't mean that they can't say something that's uh, a home truth as well. Yeah. Uh, Piers Morgan on this show of late, he's interviewed Kanye West, which was extremely combative, actually. Uh, it was a uh, full-on argument for about an hour, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Uh, Jordan Peterson, Trump, obviously, he kicked off this new show with. Uh, so this interview with Ronaldo, I think it's released on Wednesday. This will get in the region of 20, 30 million views on YouTube, free to the world. So, it's, you know, it's a, he's, he's picked a big uh, platform here. Um, I suspect Morgan will give him a sympathetic hearing. They have history and... He's done an interview with him before. So I, I don't know to what extent he's going to challenge Ronaldo or to what extent Ronaldo has been challenged by anybody. On the betrayal point, the only theory I've really heard from anybody, uh, which comes down on Ronaldo's side in all of this, is from Graeme Souness, ironically. So Souness's reading into this is that Ronaldo missed preseason. He would have sat down with Ten Hag at Carrington and they would have decided to work together and he thinks that promises would have been made to Ronaldo about game time or how he would be treated and that Ten Hag has reneged on those promises. Now, he doesn't know this, Sunes, but he's just 
relying on his experience, the nature of conversations like this at the start of a season between new manager and star player. And he thinks something was said there which has been reneged on and that's the source of Ronaldo's beef. But we, again, we don't know. Again, it's one of the... It may be true. And it may well be he's, he's told that you'll be my main man, my main striker. Um, and those promises are sometimes made. They mean nothing. If you're the main man and the main striker and you stink every week, yeah, you, can, you don't you don't hold to that. You absolutely don't. Now I'm not saying he stinks every week, but any t- any player who goes in and gets an agreement like that, I, I think it's it's unconscionable. It's unacceptable to get that agreement because you walk in and say, "I want to be playing," and you go tell me I'm playing every week, no matter how I'm playing. And there's a guy beside you who's getting paid ten percent of what you're getting paid, and might be playing twice as well as you, but he doesn't get a game because you've got that agreement. Mm. That's that's a nonsense. It's a piece of nonsense. That now it, I, I wouldn't disagree with Graham. Who's if it has been said, it shouldn't be said. It basically should never ever be said. But I do understand it as something <laughs> said by some managers. No, you'll be my main man. You're going to be playing every week. You'll get at least X amount of games. I'll only drop you now and again or rest you now and again. They may be said, but if you, a kid comes through who's 17 or something from nowhere and scores every week, really? You're going to stick by that because you made this agreement? Well, you shouldn't have made the agreement. So Ten Hag would, if he did do that, is in the wrong himself. Yeah. But maybe he wasn't in the strongest position at that point in time and had to uh, mollify slightly, which would appear to be what is needed with Cristiano if he's not getting what he wants. Yeah. The core problem here is this is torture for Ronaldo to age in this way, to decline in this way, and he can't hack it. He just cannot accept it's over. And it's been over for some time in, in many ways. Um, why, do you th- why do you think he can't uh, recognise what's so blindingly obvious to everybody? Uh, yeah, it's, be- it's because he's been brilliant. It's because... Um he has done things alongside Messi that nobody else thought was possible for a length of period of time. So, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I can remember being 38, 39, 40, thinking, yeah, I could still do it. I couldn't. <laughs> but I, could, I thought I could. Like, And I'd finished playing when I was 37-ish. And, and I thought a couple of years later, yeah, I can come back and do it. No, you couldn't. Mm. <laughs> but your mind tells you, because your whole psychology is that I need to feel better than everyone else. And even for those of us who weren't better than everyone else, that's your psychology. I play against you. I don't care who you are. I think I'm better than you. And if you make your brain feel that, and I remember recently talking about it to somebody who let jaw hit the floor because I was supposed to be playing one game against Italy and it was Baresi and Maldini. And I I honestly thought to myself, yeah, bring them on. I'll do you. And I honestly believed it. I really did believe it. Um, So you have to have this weird, and it, Belief, because see, if you don't believe it, you won't do it. You've no chance. So you you weirdly do always believe that. So he believes it. He's got more right to believe it than the rest of us. That's the point. Mm. And if you believed it for all that time, to suddenly say, "Oh, I don't believe that anymore." What I'm going to do is I'm going to be a bit part player, and I'm going to be you know come on for half an hour, which he probably should be every now and again. Um, to to actually come down to that, many can. He clearly can, and I can see why he can't because. He's had a lifetime of not thinking that way. Ultimately, this, I mean, I'm sure it's your analysis too, this interview is to blow the whole thing open. This is a kamikaze mission. I mean, it's over, it's done. I'm out of here after the World Cup. Uh, The reporting seems to be he wanted to go in the summer. 
The club, however, wanted money for him and other clubs, when they heard there was a transfer fee required and his wages and you're just inheriting this ticking time bomb of a problem, uh, said no. So this seems to be Ronaldo's way, I would suspect, of trying to get the sack, of trying to have Manchester United blow up his contract and say, go on, go for free, it's over. Yeah, um, that was, and that wouldn't be new. It's been done plenty of times before. Now, that's, this is just a big old way of doing it. This is nuclear option when, you know, where other players fall out with the manager, they just walk about with the bottom lip tripping over them yeah. or them tripping over their bottom lip in the dressing room and causing as much problems as they can. Now, everything from during training just kicking the balls away, you know. It's, just, it's the same thing, only multiplied by a couple of million. It's exactly the same thing. I'm not worth having around. I'll just make life difficult for you. These things can escalate into all sorts of horrible positions. Man United can't afford that to happen here. They yeah. can't afford that because he's he's got so much publicity. It will just become a joke around. It'll become a circus. Yeah. Sorry. It will become even more <laughs> of a circus around the club. And they, they can't allow it to happen. So he's, in the end, it's, it's clever. It's right. He tried to do it before, but now he's, he's blown up. And I can't see a way back. Clever and incredibly stupid and self-defeating. What right-thinking manager is going to want this problem? Um, managers are weird, man. <laughs> yeah, every manager thinks they can get the bad boy. No, he's not a bad boy, but you know they can get a player that everyone else has looked at and went, "Oh, don't touch my bad boy." Yeah. Uh, every manager thinks, "Oh no, but I'm different. I'm special. I can get the best out of them." And and there a lot of not every manager, but lots of managers think that way. And we've seen it over the years. You look and go, "What are you doing with him? Why are you taking a chance on him?" It's because they all think they can do the different thing. Um, it just strikes me as a, a cushy number somewhere for Ronaldo, you know, be it, you know, possibly China, possibly USA, something like that. Like, that would make perfect sense. But that's not what he, what he wants. If he goes and gets a club that's going to be a Champions League club, and by the way, he was very closely linked to Chelsea, and that doesn't look very likely at the moment, does it? Mm. Uh, they're going to be a Champions League club, but Look, he w- he won't lack. He won't lack for people. That- and if you think of the other thing, if you're a club that's a wee bit desperate come January to do something, to do something extreme, you're just off the pace or whatever, it's it's another shot to nothing Yeah. for some people. So I don't think he'll struggle to get it. He won't. But he'll struggle to get the best. That's the thing. He'll struggle to get the best to come out for him because you're right. If you're a top manager and you bring him in, you're sh- you, you're, you know you're every chance you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, there is an aspect to the Ronaldo story, which we allude to and we we touch on. Um, He talked in the interview about the club's lack of empathy for him when his daughter fell ill. So, yeah, like it is extraordinary in almost any other um, walk of life. There would probably be more understanding for what he and his family have have been through. And he's, he's not a deeply sympathetic figure for various reasons over the last uh, number of years, I think it's fair to say. But he did lose a son in April. And then that summer tour, his daughter was ill. His newborn daughter was ill. So you can imagine uh, what a stress that was for the family. And he didn't want to go on preseason tour. And in, in pretty much any other walk of life, most employers would say, well, absolutely. Whereas with Ronaldo, it was a talking point and a controversy. Uh, like his home life can't have been a happy place over the last number of months, it must have been deeply upsetting, deeply stressful. There was a newborn daughter who did survive and then who falls ill. There are four other children. He does 
uh, seem like somebody whose tolerance for setbacks at the club and his and, and his and his uh, his, his reservoir of frustration is is zero. Like he can't handle it. You know, it's the road rage is not about the road. It's it's about you. Uh, and he does. You know, I suspect in several years' time, when he reflects on this period, he may realise that he's still in the throes of an incredibly difficult personal time. That's armchair psychology. That's looking in from afar. But I think it'd be wrong to neglect that aspect of the story. And it was just notable he brought up the club's lack of empathy. Yeah. Um and there are occasions where I've thought people have brought in personal things and they're just using it as ammunition. I don't think that's the case here. I think that's absolutely correct. I think that's what he's going through. Like again, over the years, and I've, we've all been through it. Every player's been through it. We, you know, well, we're getting dogs abuse. And I didn't get much, but if you're getting dogs abuse and slaughtered, and by the way, your dad's just died or your mum's just died or you've just found something terrible about the children, and your your head's absolutely bursting, and you're going through all that, and certainly now at least there is some communication um, that the media may be told about. Certainly in my time we didn't, we didn't. We just had to deal with it and we had to cope with it. And these were sometimes quite extreme things that we all kind of went through. So that is better that there is at least that level of understanding out there. Um, the club, we don't know what he said to the club and what the club said to him, but if the club were insensitive, that's terrible. That's really bad. I'd be interested to see what the club's position was. Mm. The suspicion is exactly what you suggest, which is, you know, his head was in an extremely difficult place and almost certainly still is. And you put all that mix in together with, you know, the, the, the worst of it is losing, you know, one of your children. I mean, it's unthinkable, unimaginable for most of us to think through that. And then the, the illness of another who you think, that is this happening again? Again, it's unimaginable. You do not ignore that. There's also that other smaller but not insignificant thing is the amount of people have said to me when they stop playing football, when it's been their life, that it is like a bereavement when they stop playing. He's got that facing him right there, mm. right in front of him. And his is a big old one that he's going to have to face because it has been his entire life. It has been everything. He completely, it's its who he is, it's what he is, it's what he, and how he copes with that is going to be difficult. And at the moment, it's, it's not looking as if he's coping with that very well, but to a big degree that's understandable when yeah. you add in all the personal stuff. One of the stranger um, moments was he, apparently he reached out to Jordan Peterson to come over to his house and talk to him about his next steps in his life and uh, mm. uh, talk to him about his psychology of late so I think he's um, searching for something before again we get too well, sympathetic was, just before you yeah. go off that I was, I was doing an interview the other day and it was involved in Cesfabregas and uh, you know he's coming into his time he's had a few injuries he's playing it as a coma on it and you know and then I heard him talking a wee bit further about how important it is to his life and how this is the big moment and I'm thinking what you're not prepping for it yeah you know it really thought Oh my goodness, and I kind of thought, because he'd had a period of time off, and I thought, well, you must be prepping for it now and getting ready for it, because it's a really important part of your life, um, this you know, transition out. And then I thought, oh my goodness, you don't, actually, you say you are, but you don't sound as if you are. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think for a lot of them, and there's enough of them I talked to over the years, that it, it was like a bereavement when they stopped, mm. and it lasts for a long time. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, before we get too sympathetic, he was also um, asked, uh, this is Pierce Morgan in the Sun, about the 
criticism of from Rooney of Ronaldo, to which Ronaldo mm-hmm. said, I don't know why he criticized me, criticizes me so badly, probably because he's finished his career and I'm still playing at a high level. I'm not going to say I'm better looking than him, which is true. Uh, so, you know, let's not, <laughs> I don't think this will be 90 minutes of uh, super considered stuff either. The, the other side of it is he might have done that with a smile. Yeah, sure. You know, like, you, we have to remember that. I've, there's been plenty of things thrown at me and everybody that plays over the years and you read it in black and white, it, sounds, it stinks. Yeah. And then you realise that a lot of this is smiles and smirks and laughs as well, um, as well as all the other stuff that's going on. So I, you do need to hold back in that, you know, and there's plenty, hey, lots of people have women uh, running up about his looks. Yeah. It's, it's not to, annoying. To be fair, I think, I think you're right. I, that, is almost certainly said playfully and with a smile and he'll see this and he'll think it's funny. So uh, that, I don't know. That always, that's closer to a reaching out. <laughs> yeah, me. I know. I know. That's, well, mate, we used to wind each other about this, wind each other up about this. So I'm kind of half guessing that. Um, but he's put in a difficult position. That's a difficult question to answer. If you're, you know, with the camera on you mm. and you've been asked by a, a clever journalist, he's a clever journalist, yeah, yeah. A, a question where, there's, there's a number of routes out of that question, right? One is to, if you're angry, have a go back and start another war. Or the other is to, you know, bat it away. And the other one is trying to be a little bit humorous about it and send a couple of messages out. So in the midst of what is quite a long interview, mm. with a lot of um, ground being covered, um, I, I have to say, Piers's numbers were, were really awful when <laughs> at the start. But he's getting some serious big names now. Um, well, it's. I, I, mean, honestly, I haven't. I haven't watched. One well, no. Yet. I mean, nobody has watched it. I mean, I, I can't even remember the name of the TV station. It's not a TV station production. It's an internet production, really. I mean, that's where he's getting millions and millions of views. I mean, he's even said himself. I don't know why I'm so um, knowledgeable on Piers Morgan. I, I was reading his diaries yesterday in the Sunday Times. They published his diaries of this initial period with this new show, and. Early on, they've realised this isn't a television show. This is an internet show. Yeah, and and something the, the world's changing very very quickly out there, and media is changing very very quickly out there. And uh, it may well be that he finds where it is, but doesn't struggle to get the names. And this is a massive coup to get Ronaldo, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's an, a gigantic coup. But he knows his stuff, and also he knows the explosive power of it. I I, I do wonder. I think Ronaldo's and his people must have known. or we, we might just do a wee interview and who knows how it'll go yeah. it, it's not that it doesn't sound anything I'm not that stupid no uh, very last point on all this I think we've already given it too much time in some respects this is I think the end of his career to what extent do does the last month or two tarnish his legacy I don't think it is in his career I think he'll get another club after January. sorry end of his Manchester United career <laughs> yeah I think, does it tarnish the memory of it I think you know he came back and he scored a few goals and he, he, there, there are people who will throw stats at you um, but has it been a good or a negative influence since he's come back? I, I think most people accept he's a negative influence. Maybe the most positive influence, apart from the goals, is the fact that he will leave some questions up in the air that a lot of Manchester United fans absolutely agree with, 100% agree with. And uh, when you look at uh, Liverpool currently, the possibility of them selling, those owners selling, I think that's maybe where the long-term answer to this is. If he starts what becomes a cascade that ends in change of ownership to an ownership that's more liked um, and does better with Manchester United, then actually 
Not yeah. like they know it's too bad. The hero of the story. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a short break. There is a World Cup in six days. There was a Premier League weekend to talk about our football show coverage brought to you by Sky. Watch the big games from the Women's Super League live on Sky Sports. We're back with Pat Nevin in just a moment. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. Watch big games from the Women's Super League live on Sky Sports. This is News Talk. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch big games from the Women's Super League. Live on Sky Sports. This is News Talk. Well, Mark, great to have you with us on this Monday evening. So, Pat Nevin, uh, staying with us. We have Man City 1, Brentford 2. We have Liverpool beating Southampton. Bournemouth 3, Everton 0. Everton fans, I wouldn't say welcoming to Frank Lampard and the Everton players when they came over to applaud them after the match. Spurs 4, Leeds 3, Newcastle beat Chelsea 1-0, Manchester United yesterday 2-1 winners against Fulham at Craven Cottage, Garaccio doing his thing again. So when Pep Guardiola was asked about the loss to Brentford, uh, really Paddy was pretty honest, as he sometimes is when he analyses a game. His analysis of games can be really, really good and he talked about Tony they couldn't handle him. They couldn't win second balls. It completely disrupted any plan. They had to press a Brentford defence because they were going direct. And um, in some respects, there's an irony here that Guardiola has almost killed off a certain brand of footballer because his um, type of football has taken over European football. But there are Tonys out there who can still do a job up front and take direct ball. There's been a couple. When you look back at the Newcastle game as well, um, I think for a long time people just thought, oh, we can't beat that. Oh, we're just trying to defend. And it's a, a we, we lost 2-0, so it's okay, kind of thing. Mm. And and the amount of teams that I, I mean, I spent a lot of time going to the Etihad and just watching teams give up. They lost long before they're on the pitch and they just get passed around and nobody believes in themselves. But now and again, somebody just thinks, sod that, let's have a go. Mm. A, let's have a go, but B, you better have a damn good plan when you have a go. So playing at that high tempo really helps. That's one of the ways to do it. Um, and, you know, Manchester City, a couple of times you've seen, well, wait a minute, hey, that's, you, you are nearly done now. You're not that far better than everyone else when that question's been asked of you. Um, and, and I've been impressed with a lot of the teams this season, the way they've attacked it. Brentford's one was different. That was completely and utterly. I thought it was totally different from any of the other ones because it, it wasn't long ball. I was going to say Wimbledon, but and, and I'm talking to you, I, I should say Jack Charlton football, right? So it, it wasn't that. It was something a bit more, a bit more sophisticated than that. Because um, it was, if you lump it like that, you need lots of men in the middle, and it's, it's. But it was different from that. You can do a lot better than that. And Tony, you need to have someone like Tony who's going to fight and be fit and be able to keep on doing it all the way through the game. But everybody else has to have the energy around them. You also have to hope that City have got a wee bit less energy on the day. Um, and I think they probably did on the day. I mean, they, they tried to up it, but they, they weren't able to up it. But their manipulation of their game, which is Brentford's game, to a slightly different version of their own game, that was the thing that impressed me most. Because I've watched them enough this season, and they're, they're very good at being a breaking team. And there are teams they are brilliant at it. And they're a bit unstoppable at it. Um, but they added something else on top of it this time. Um, and it's intriguing because as soon as somebody does that in Man City, everyone's on it. Yeah. Everyone's going to look at it and say, right, have we got that? Can yeah. we do that? Um, 
I don't think everyone can actually because I don't think they get personnel to do it. But it was intriguing, and it's the lovely thing is there is no one way. And it's always the case. I have a slight preference of how I like football to be played, but there's no one way, you know. And it's it's that's exciting that mm. that's happened. It was what was it was it the Fulham game? I remember, Fulham had a right good goal as well. And this is a city as well that they're having these these goals. So I kind of like the Premier League for what it is now. Mm. There's a wee bit less of that cap doping. Doping. I'm really really happy that there's there's a few more, and it's not just the big ones either. I mean, Fulham had a dig at, remember their dig at um, Liverpool early in the season. So there's none of that. That's that's not exactly gone, but it doesn't exist anywhere near to the level it did, say, two or three years ago. Curious to think amongst that Man City matchday squad, of which double figures knew there was a World Cup starting in eight days' time, either consciously or subconsciously, there was a degree of self-protection going on. 16 of them. Yeah, 16 of the squad. is Off the top of my head, it's 16. I think Chelsea's 13. I think they're 13 going. Um, I think one other's got 14. So there's a lot of them that have got big numbers going. So there, there is, there's got to be a wee bit of that. Um, you would hope there wasn't too much, but the amount of players that have looked at others, given the old tears when they go down with the slightest injury in the last couple of weeks, or a major injury in the last couple of weeks, yeah, it'll be partially there. I, I agree. It will be partially there. It was quite funny watching... Um, Diego Costa coming on the Chelsea game going, I don't know if I want to be doing this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know and so that there is part of it there. And also, on top of it, so you've got that, you've got the Man City have played a hell of a lot of games in a short period of time. And they're important players that played quite a lot of those games. So that's it. Still, so what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Brentford have to go to that stadium having. A, a tiny percentage of the money spent in their team and yet they have to go and have a win and by the way could have won by more could have won by quite a few more so it's, it's, it's nothing against Man City and Everton prove Brentford for that We touched on the fact that the new owners of Chelsea want Graham Potter for the long term and want to build something holistic at the club as opposed to the Abramovich method uh, to what extent did this weekend feel like Newcastle and Chelsea going in opposite direc- directions on an escalator? It looked like I don't. I don't know many Chelsea fans that expected a win. And that's, that's actually that further underlines the point almost. It does exactly. So there is an understanding, and expectation that Chelsea are, are a distance away at the moment. Um, it was one defeat in ten. If you go to try and manipulate the stats for Potter, but this run of is it two points in in fifteen uh, is. If you do that at any point in the season, you'll plummet. You will absolutely plummet, but particularly in a season where it's quite concertina in the middle. Mm. Um, the thing that he will say, understandably, is like, hey, have a look at Liverpool, what they went through. Have a look at Manchester United, what they went through. And a lot of them have had these little periods. For me, I think with Potter, it's he, he got parachuted in and he's had a game every two or three days, or three days since. Every three or four days, he did a game. Game, 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 game. And if you've got this overarching plan that you want to put in, you can't do it. You, can, you cannot do it with that prep, 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 prep. You need a space, preferably a pre-season. Actually, now he's got a break. This is it. This is his chance. So he's had a, he got through to the Champions League. That was the most important thing. But they've now got a position where he can now stand back and say, right, he's good enough, he's good enough, don't want him, don't want him, don't want him. 
this is who I want you to bring in. Two or three games after the you know the the restart, he's got the transfer window. And that's almost to me when the, the Potter regime starts. Now, people might be looking and going, well, is he going to get sacked? Now, I, I think that would be... I don't know Bully at all, and I don't know what the methodology is, but it would seem to be to be mad mm. to do that. Because um, why would you have got rid of Tuchel in the first place? Because he was doing all, all right in those situations. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, just let it calm down for a wee while. The next two games, Chelsea is at... Um, I think it's Bournemouth and Forest. Right, so they're two games that they got they got to win. Right. If they win them, they're into the transfer window and then he can start you know, building up. The other thing he's got, and it's it's a wee bit it's it's almost it's nothing got to do with all this holistic stuff and Potter changing the team every you know, I was going to say every week. <laughs> I mean every half an hour, which is more like it most mm. of the time, I mean system wise. In actual fact that Chelsea team were incredibly successful generally due to wing-backs. And they're out. They've not been playing. Same last season, they were doing unbelievably well. James and Chilwell got injured, and that was them. And if you look at them now, they've stuck Sterling out there, they've stuck Mount out there, they've stuck all sorts of players out there. Cucurella they brought in just has not been having a good time at all, and that's the most polite way you can possibly put it. So where they needed to be strong and where most of the creation is, it's just not there. And Aspilicueta is great defensively, but it's defensively. And he'll try and get forward now and again, but he ain't Reese James. So the, either he hopes to get them back, gets other really good cover in those wide areas, or he's got a different plan. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see which one of those it is. Yeah, me too. And this World Cup intrusion on the season will be interesting for a whole host of reasons. Not least football executives with too much time on their hands thinking mm. and stewing on recent bad results might decide two weeks in, sod this, let's get a manager. And who knows what the hierarchy at Everton are made of the full-time scenes. Bournemouth nil, or sorry, Bournemouth three, Everton very much nil. There's always that dilemma when you're one point above the relegation zone, when your fans are disgusted with the performance, you've been beaten 3-0 by Bournemouth, do we go over to them and applaud them for travelling all the way down and potentially create a scene? Or do we show some experience here and get the hell off the pitch? Uh, Lampard and Everton tried to go over and assuage the fans and that backfired. I guess they won't go over next time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> Generally, to be honest, I, I, I'll... Again, you're back to what you did in your own career. If any fans travelled a, a long distance, and particularly a lot of Everton fans done that twice, that journey twice in a week, you go over and say thanks and sorry. So you would go and do that, and you would expect a little bit of stick, and you would just say, right, I get it, okay, try and do better next time. When it's a lot more than that, you stand back, you don't actually go right over beside them. It's not sensible to do that, because people are angry and upset at that point in time. I think when it gets that vitriolic, you've gone over, you've said it, and you think, well, the next time we'll probably stand in the middle and give a wave and then get off and see if we can do better that time because it ain't helping anything, just not helping anything. I think it's a bit of a shock because last season, the Everton fans at the end of the season were unbelievable when yeah. the team looked as if they were going to get down. So I think it's a wee bit of a shock that, but, you know, you, you learn. You, you just learn quickly. And Frank, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it happens in the next games if if it's all the same again and they get beaten the next game 
and I wouldn't be surprised if Frank walked over and told his team to go off. Every, that, um, I, I, I agree with you. Every Premier League team must look at that Everton starting at 11 and think, well, that's very beatable. Yeah. It's so average. I was, I was, try, I was thinking of it in, when I was at the Leicester game recently. They, they get beat 2-0 by Leicester and they get really beat 2-0 by Leicester. Uh, just the cleverness, the, the, the game awareness, the football intelligence, everything was miles ahead for Leicester. And this was a team until recently were having and another team are really struggling, um, but they were miles and miles ahead of Everton. The creativity in the final third was, you couldn't even compare the two. What you could say um, is that Rich Allison's gone, Dominic Calvert-Lewin can't seem to stay on the field or, and isn't doing anywhere near what he looked as if he was capable of doing. Anthony Gordon's a shadow, a complete shadow. Now, some people tell me he's got, is that a broken hand he's got? Um, but he looks a total shadow. That was your three most creatives. That was your three big names last season. They're gone now. They're not playing. They're not working at all for them. So you take that out of a team that was already struggling down the bottom of the league last season. Are you surprised? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not. They're in I'm trouble. not at all. Big trouble. Uh, so it's funny, Ronaldo, we remarked upon the fact that when he released a statement after he walked down the tunnel at Spurs that he wasn't reading the general mood music and everybody was thrilled with one of the best performances of the season and Ronaldo's releasing a statement to the effect that things will be OK again soon, everyone hang in there. And now uh, Garaccio, uh, noted by quite a few people, that same ground, that same end of the pitch where Ronaldo of a different era scored that incredible goal to rescue a game and it was vital as United won uh, that first title of that new Ferguson team, that third great Ferguson team. So here's Garacho uh, on the scene on the day that Ronaldo's doing an interview with Piers Morgan. And uh, this guy is a bit special for his age. Yeah, um, they need to go and pick up the new ones. And as soon as you get someone else who's cutting in from the same area and looking lively and is no bother <laughs> at all. <laughs> and half his age. And your fans, of course, are going to love that and turn on to that um, and there is there's a kind of freshness about United at the moment, there, there is a more freshness than we've seen for a wee while um, and you, you, for the fact that you know they've got a manager that Ronaldo's saying he's no respect for, there are a few Man United fans that are thinking right I can see things here, I can see the shoots I can see what he's trying to do, it's not right yet, good distance away but can see some hope, and it's particularly with younger players coming through, um, getting the best, better out of Rashford, particularly. Martial looks a wee bit better under him as well. So, I, I think you know, certainly bringing younger players through, having good recruitment, they need to have that, and that's going to help them. The manager, that's going to help the team as well. But it ain't, and it ain't going to help that older player who just looks like he's moaning. It was interesting, uh, Ten Hag, after the Villa game midweek, the win, where again Garaccio caught the eye, and the previous week Bruno Fernandes both came out publicly and made a point of talking about Garaccio's attitude. That yes, 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 he can be a great, great player, but attitude, hard work, really important. And it was more pointed than the usual bland platitude where you would say that about any young player. So... We don't know beyond that what's going on, but we do know it's quite striking for both a manager and a player to come out publicly like that. I think we we talked earlier in the season, and I've been fairly forthright about saying, I don't care who you are. If you are not doing the running and the moving for me, 
when we were talking about Ronaldo. I don't care how big you are. If I'm doing twice the running and I'm looking stupid because of you, I'm not having it. I don't care who you are. You could, when I, if I was playing in Kenny the Bush, would have done it with me. I wouldn't have been having it. Just not accepting it. And that's the way you should be as a professional footballer. And that is definitely the case with all players. And there was that period when it really was looking awful with United, right? And uh, I had a I had a conversation with Darren Fletcher from BBC, and I was going, really? Because he, he, he was very pro Ronaldo because it was a 700th game and all that sort of stuff. I was going, but really? As a player, I'm thinking, no. I'm thinking, absolutely, I'm not having this because you're making me look bad because you're do, not doing the work and I'm getting caught out all the time. And I could see that in their faces. And it, isn't it just amazing? You look at the difference in Rashford since that's moved, since that's changed around. It's absolutely incredible since it's changed around. So I've, I've kind of felt this general way about that situation for quite a long time. So go, to go back to your point, you're getting these comments from the dressing room. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yes, mm. of course you are. Because <laughs> that's what they're all, they can't say it out loud. They, they won't go in Piers Morgan and say that. They'll say, we need everybody together here. Because yeah. <laughs> you, you might be, I don't care if you're a godlike footballer. I've got my own career and my own thing to do here. And you ain't helping. And that's why you, you get these sort of, sort of subtle but not really that subtle message is coming out. It's yeah. that they are no doubt, in my mind, they are pointed. They are. There is a World Cup in six days. Mm-hmm. You know, from afar, on the footballing side of things, which we've talked about, I think, far less uh, than the off the field uh, side of things. But on, on the field side of things, one of the reasons people maybe were anticipating this is that for maybe the first time in however many decades, we would see very fresh footballers play mid-season. This would not be tired after a long season summer football. And now as it's approached, Antonio Conte was talking about Harry Kane, who scored a seventh consecutive home game, innocent seventh consecutive home game in his great form. But Conte was talking about Kane and said he's incredibly fatigued that they were doing a light training session and even he was stopping and just just wrecked really because they've played I think 13 games in 43 days and it's it's been you know to, to get this World Cup uh, to, to allow it to happen we've probably underestimated the extent to which these players have been absolutely flogged the Champions League group stages have been played off in record time uh, Premier League have tried to get in as, as many games as possible players playing just yesterday so are you anticipating uh, a tired bunch in Qatar or will they um, cut loose and play some of the best football we've seen at a World Cup? Uh, probably the former. Um, but, and there is a huge big but in the midst of this, what a help that gets to the smaller teams. The first time, I've, and I know like, teams like, say, say Senegal, right? If they get money back, right? I know they've got players that are playing in big clubs around Europe, but I don't think they've been playing at quite the level of the teams in the Premier League have been playing. The Premier League's quite specific in this. Yeah. You know, because and it is specific. It's not quite like the Bundesliga. It's not let's say uh, it's not like La Liga. It's not like them, right? So if you've got a big bunch of players playing the Premier League and playing at that tempo, that regularly, with that sort of strain, they're going to be affected. And I'm I'm not convinced you'll see the very best of them at all. I mean I was in Marseille for the Spurs game recently. And what Harry was being asked to do up front on his own was ridiculous mm. away from home. He was just flogging the life out of him, you know, and he'll do it for you. That's why he's knackered, because he's played all those games. And also, 
he's been given a really hard shift by his manager and they've not really been able to rest him. So all of that is true. Upside is, and by the way, add on top of that, I mean, I've got, I'm doing, I'm going to be at 14 of the games, right? So I'm going to be at 14 games. I'll be tired and I'm not playing. Mm. <laughs> so I've got day after day after day after day, game, 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 game. It's concertina together this one as well. So that's making it even harder for a lot of these players. Now, you've got a bigger squad that'll give you a little bit more rest. But I'm looking at maybe some of the small teams will get a chance this time yeah. to go a wee bit further to shock people. Um, I was really, a couple that I was, I wanted Japan to, to do well. I was kind of number of players that I really like in Japan. I don't know if they're going to manage it. They're, they're in Germany's and Spain's group, which I was a bit gutted about. Um, the Senegalese, again, with them, it's just a shame about money because I thought they were the first African team that could really, really push it. They're, they're good and they're strong and they've got depth and their players are playing at top level throughout Europe. Um, but here's, here's one for you. Did I mention to you last week? I'm sure I did. Brazil. <laughs> Many players they've got playing the Premier League. Mm. That's a kicker. Mm. 12. Mm. <laughs> what? Mm. That's never happened before. So, you know, Brazil, who a lot of us have got down as favourites, yeah, well, wait a minute, a lot of their players are playing in the Premier League. So I think it'll be an interesting World Cup. When you get knacker players, oddly, you often get high-scoring games. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's the only one of the few upsides yeah. of having that World Cup, when it is and where it is. As for the big picture, it has felt incredibly tarnished in advance. Mm-hmm. To what extent it feels tarnished in real time, amidst all the football will be interesting it will certainly be tarnished then in the memory. What is your um, your wider sense of this very peculiar World Cup? Uh, well, A, I mean, I'm going, but I certainly didn't think it should ever at any point take place there. It's the wrong place to go for a whole multitude of reasons which everybody's aware of. Um, but it's happening. So I'm going to go over there and I'm reporting, like everyone else, I'm a reporter, and I'm going to look at it. Um, I'm working uh, for the BBC and as a BBC and as an employer then, but also as myself, I'm just going to be, I'm going to say what I see. Hmm. So if it turns out, because I've got a wrong time again, I mean, I went over to Russia expecting a certain thing, got something else, and was really impressed. And then four years down the line, you think, oh, well, you were hiding quite a bit there. <laughs> um, so you try and keep your eyes open. You try not to be naive. You try and understand what is going on. But uh, there's certainly been no suggestion for any of us to be not to say what we feel. So, you know, somebody said to me, somebody like Qataris recently, that the huge, gigantic billions that they've spent on this, and this is supposed to to have their country on the map and to be seen in a positive light. Not really worked, has it? Well, <laughs> we just, we were talking about this, funny enough, uh, yesterday we reviewed the Sunday papers and we were having the conversation on that point. I don't know about you, 10, 12 years ago, what I knew about Qatar was next to nothing. Now I know a hell of a lot about Qatar. So they didn't have a reputation they needed to launder in the first place. 12 years on, they most certainly do. So that term sports washing is defunct. It's just a naked show of power. That's all it is. It's not it's not reputational. And it'd be intriguing to see where it goes from here, because we may just be at the start of all this, you know, like they own football clubs, you know, and nation states tend to own football clubs now, particularly in England. Um, so where where else can it go from there? Is this uh, you know, another power push? 
we don't know where the next one's going to come from because we didn't. I don't think a lot of people seen this one coming. Um, you know, 20, 15 years ago. So we don't know where it's going to go. It could be absolutely anything. Um, but you have to. What you have to do is shine the light. That's what everyone's just saying. Just now, shine the light as much as you can. I don't think people mind. I don't think people in Qatar seem to mind too much no. if you shine light no. because it's you know, you're shining light in what our culture is. That's our culture. Yeah, like a lump it. That's yeah. it kind of sounds as if that's what they're saying. But that's you know we're a religious, a religious line as well, isn't it? You know, it's not just a country. There's there's more than them. Well, that's true. There are, there are plenty of religions that don't stand up to scrutiny exactly. in many respects. Some very close to home. Indeed. <laughs> Who do you think is going to win this World Cup? Um, brilliantly, this is this, again, brilliantly open, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, usual suspects, Argentina. And, and I don't know about Germany. I wouldn't be putting money on them this time. Um, I, I can't get away from France. I'm, I'll just keep on coming back to France. Um, again, like everyone else, they've got players missing too. Um, but there's enough strength and depth, and they've got some firepower up front. And as I say, I think this could be a tournament where there's a lot of goals scored. And if you've got the firepower that the French have got up front, but then that's not a bad front line that Brazil have got. You know, Firmino can't get can't even get in the squad. They've got a lot of talent there. Um, but I, if I had to, and I was pushed on it, I'd still be pushing slightly towards France, which is a shame for the likes of Belgium because. They just missed their chance, didn't they? Yeah. They just look, just looks a wee bit too old now. Whereas, if it was Belgium with all those Hazards and Lukaku's and all that at the strongest, I'd be thrown all my way behind them <laughs> for what I've got. But uh, certainly for the French, I'd be sticking with them as the favourites for me. Okay. Well, very safe travels, and let's try and grab a chat as your schedule allows out there. Oh, I'm sure we will. 100%. Okay. Pat, talk to you soon. Thanks, Emil. Bye bye. Cheers, Pat Nevin with us on this Monday evening. Our football show coverage brought to you by Sky. Watch big games from the Women's Super League live in Sky Sports. Arsenal fans, I realise, have completely buried the fact that you're five points clear heading into Christmas. We did talk a good bit about Arsenal uh, last week with Pat and you're still very, very good. I think it's all to say about the weekend. So five points clear. We'll come back to Arsenal, uh, no doubt, in due course. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch big games from the Women's Super League Live on Sky Sports This is News Talk